My dad had a way of making heavy things sometimes seem light, sometimes very heavy things. He would have a way of making them seem a lot lighter. I remember several occasions. I remember one day, the day that we were in Wichita Falls and we were at the doctor's office there and he'd been through several appointments running tests and we're in the doctor's office and the doctor came in and told him that he did have cancer, uh, told him what kind of cancer it was, uh, told him very, very plainly, it is a terminal cancer, it will result in your death. He, she told him, uh, we can slow it down, we can treat it, there's going to be some options, but it is a, a terminal cancer and it will end in your death. And I remember that whole a doctor's visit, we went outside, we got into the car, and I remember sitting down in the car and just thinking, wow, the, the heaviness of all of that, and, I, and it was just kind of a time of silence uh, for just a second, and I don't know what to say, I'm not sure what I should say, and, and I really can't imagine what he is thinking, and he sat there for just a second, and he looked over and said, I think that first cafeteria over there is open. <laughs> we actually went and ate lunch. Another time, he'd had a tough run, and it was in the middle of all of his, his treatments. He'd been very sick. Uh, he'd lost a lot of weight. He was, he was pretty weak, and uh, during the course of one of the weeks, he had gone to get a, a chemo treatment, and walking out, he'd fallen off the curb, and he hit his face on the curb and broke one of his teeth, and, and he smashed his pacemaker, and they ended up having to take it out and, and put a new pacemaker in, all sorts of crazy stuff. And then we go back to the doctor, and we're sitting there in the seat, and and she says, well, it looks like your cancer numbers are up and, and, and it's not working, it's not slowing it down. And not only that, from our test from last week, uh, it appears you now have prostate cancer. So she told him all about that. And I remember we got in the car, kind of the same deal, we got in the car and it just seems like heavy news on top of heavy news. And he looked over and smiled and said, I know where I'm going, I just didn't know it was going to be this hard to get there. And he said, I think that McBride's downtowns opens up at 11. <laughs> we went over there and ate. He actually had a shirt that he would wear, and he would wear it around, and his favorite place to wear it was in the hospital. He actually had a shirt that he would wear that said, stick around, it gets worse. <laughs> he would wear that in the hospital. Uh, all of my life, he had one particular saying, and I can remember him saying it on several occasions, and it was, it was before he ever got sick. But I remember this saying. He used to sometimes say, I saw a light at the end of the tunnel, and it turned out it was an oncoming train. <laughs> Listen this morning. Sometimes we need some encouragement in order to keep going. Sometimes things are hard and things are tough and, and we're not really understanding what to do. Sometimes we need to hear or we need to see some good news in order to keep marching on. And sometimes uh, we need a fresh dose of hope in order to persevere. Life is hard. Things sometimes are tough. And we need a, a really a renewed hope and a new picture of hope in order for us to push on. Well, it's a pretty awesome thing. God in his infinite wisdom knows that. God knows the struggle of mankind. God sees our condition and in his infinite wisdom he doesn't just give us hope but he gives us the hope that will always endure. He knows we need good news. He sees our condition. He doesn't just give us good news. He gives us the good news that results in salvation. He sees the darkness. He knows the darkness that, that clouds in on us. He doesn't just give us the light, a light. He gives us the light, Jesus Christ. And sometimes, you know, we just need a, a renewed picture of hope. Our message this morning is entitled, Just Hold On a Little Longer. Just Hold On a Little Longer. In our sermon series, It's Still the Church, we've been looking at these seven messages that Jesus speaks to the seven actual historical churches there in the book of Revelation. We've been seeing the direction there, the, the instructions for us to carry out of that, and we're going to continue in that today. We're going to look at a whole bunch of verses today, and so I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me for just a word of prayer this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful. We're so thankful for a Savior, Jesus Christ, for, for the light of the world, the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. We're thankful for a hope 
that's not based upon a diagnosis, not based upon a, a financial status, not based upon anything that would pass away, but a hope that endures. We're thankful for mercy and grace and love from a holy, powerful God, a mighty God. And so we come today and we're thankful for you. I'm thankful for Jesus. I come now and I'm thankful for the opportunity to have and to hold his word. And I pray today as we, as we look at these verses, as we look at these, these promises that we're gonna see today, I pray that we would be encouraged today. I, I pray that maybe a, a fresh glimpse of hope would well up inside of us today, that we would leave here, these in this room, would leave here with a renewed joy in this day. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you, we exalt you. I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus. I pray that today in the preaching of your word, in the, in the drawing of your spirit, maybe in the, in the midst of circumstances of life that they find themselves in, that today they would place their faith and their trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would move in that manner. Lord, we just tell you again how much we love you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This past 4th of July, we were, my family and I, we were on vacation in Dallas, and we went to a fireworks show. It was there in Frisco, there at the Dr. Pepper Stadium, and, and the minor league team plays there, and we went over there, and we, and we watched the game, and we, we stayed for this fireworks show. Now, let me just say, uh, I've been to, to fireworks shows. I've I've been to some in Wichita Falls. I've been to a whole bunch of them growing up here in Vernon. I've been to fireworks shows, but I've never been to anything like this. Uh, it starts, and there's a band playing, and there's, there's flags waving. It starts, and for at least 30 minutes, uh, there's a flash, and there's a boom, and there's a streak, and there's a whistle, and there's, there's pink, and there's red, and there's green, and then there's bursts of four or five that go off at once, and, and you're looking over there, and two more go over here, and a, a white thing would streak by over here, and it, it, sometimes you have a big finale. It looked like the finale went on for, for 30 minutes, and you couldn't look over here without looking over here, and, and it was the most awesome, crazy thing that you've ever seen. Must have cost a fortune. Can't imagine trying to light that thing. Most awesome thing ever. But really, as I think about that, it was really too, too much to try to take in. It was, it was really kind of firework overload. Too much to take in. Well, today our, our sermon may be the same way. Today may, our sermon may be uh, so much information, so much in, the, in these pictures that it may be too much to, to take in. Now, we're going to try our best today. Let's, let's look at our, at our setup here. Today, remember where we're at. Jesus is the one speaking. And that, that's a huge thing in and of itself. Jesus himself is speaking. He gives a message. In fact, he gives seven messages to the Apostle John to give to these seven actual historical churches. Now understand, this is, this is not some made-up story. These were actual churches, and these are the actual messages that are given to the actual Apostle John to give to the pastor of the local church to, to share with those churches. And that's what we've been looking at, these, these seven messages from Jesus to these seven churches. Well, understand this. Be sure of this. Do not, do not miss this. These churches are existing in some hard times. These churches are existing in some intense times. And as we, as we read the account of, of these churches, the, the lure of the world is always all around them. And the sin of the world, the offerings of the world, it, it's trying to, to pull them astray, to, to lead them astray. And some of those things are beginning to, to creep in and show up in the church. And the hurt from sin, the chaos from sin is starting to, to, to wreck destruction there on those folks. Some of them have fallen prey to the sinful ways of the world around them. More than that, it's a hard time because false teachers are everywhere and false teachings are everywhere and they've, they've entered into the church and, and they might be tempted to say, well, we've got the main things and that's not that big of a deal but as it begins to bleed in, it starts to rob them of the truth of the gospel. It starts to rob them of the hope of the truth. You see, there's hope in the truth and these false teachers are, are, are pulling that away. 
They're being robbed of the hope of their truth. Now more than that, these churches exist and they're hated. They're absolutely hated. They're despised as they would try to uphold the truth and as they would try to say this is the truth of God and this is the, the gospel, the, the, the good news by which we're saved. They are, they are hated for that. They are despised for that. They're under intense persecution for that. And then in the midst of that, there is this call to hold on. You know what? The sinful things of the world are, are creeping in. The pain of sin is beginning to take hold in the church and you're seeing homes that are suffering and people that are suffering and, and lives that are suffering. The truth is creeping in and the, the hope of the truth is being robbed away. More than that, the persecution is pushing in and then there's this call to hold on. The world hates the truth, but you're, you're supposed to uphold it and you just hold on. Darkness seems to be prevailing. It doesn't seem to be any hope, and yet you're told just to, to hold on. Some of you, it says, are even gonna die. Some of you are, are gonna even die. Many of you are gonna go to prison, but yet you have, to, you have to hold on. And the call of the Christian church is, listen, it matters. It matters. And so you hold on. You hold on. I want to tell you it's the same today. It's vital for us today. It's the same for us today. Listen, church, don't ever shrink back, but, but hold on. Listen, church, don't compromise. Don't sell out, but hold on. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It's so hard, but we, we just have to, to hold on. Now, here's what's awesome. Jesus, in each of these seven messages, tells them a promise, sometimes several promises, for those who overcome. You see, sometimes you just need some encouragement. Sometimes you just need to, to, to have a refreshing of the hope that is within you. And so Jesus, in each of these seven messages, oh, listen, you have to hold on. But in the midst of that, he gives them a promise, maybe some promises, for those who overcome. Jesus says, hold on, yes, hold on, because here is what is coming. Now, friends, I don't, I don't know how to make this any more plain, but I want, I want to make this as, as, as understandable as possible. Listen to this. These promises, they are real. Do you hear that? These promises are not figurative. The, these promises are not some hope that the picture's gonna change somewhere down the road. It's not something that's, that's supposed to cheer us up. These are the promises of Jesus Christ for those who would overcome. These are the real promises that we can expect as those that would overcome. And so these are the promises. Now today, quickly, we're gonna look at all seven. We're gonna have to move quickly to look at all seven. Again, the message today just hold on a little longer. First promise, chapter two, verse seven. We're gonna move across two chapters here. Chapter two, verse seven, the first part, Jesus speaking says this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Says it all the way through these messages. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I've said this several times, but listen to this. This is a corporate call with an individual response. The Spirit says to the churches, it is a corporate call, but it has an individual response. Now, what that means is this. Listen, it's personal. It's personal, it's personal, it's personal, it's personal. God is talking to you. It is a corporate call. Listen to what he says, but it is an individual response. Each of you, each of us today, it is an individual response. Listen today, it is personal. God is talking to you. Let me read the rest of the verse. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Here we go, first promise. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. To him who overcomes, Jesus, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, 
which is in the paradise of God. Now, remember in, in the book of, of Genesis, the tree of life there in the Garden of Eden, they, if they were to eat of it, they would live forever. If they were to eat of it, there would be no death. There would be only health. In Revelation chapter 22, it says that the, the fruit from the tree of life gives life says that even the leaves of the tree of life, if you were to, to, to have those leaves, they would bring health. And so the leaves give health and the fruit gives life. But remember there in Genesis, because of sin, the tree was lost. Because of, of sin, the tree was forbidden and, and Adam and Eve are pushed there out of the Garden of Eden and, and, and the, the tree is lost to them because of their sin and they're, they're ushered out of the garden there and, and in the absence of the tree, there is now sickness. In the absence of the tree, there's now, there's now cancer. In the absence of the tree, there's now disease and there's death and there's decay and it enters in and it rules the day. That's what the reality is in the absence of the tree. And I wonder... As Adam and Eve are ushered out of that garden, ashamed in their sin, I wonder if Adam and Eve look back and see the tree of life. Oh, the, the possibility that's lost. Oh, the, the things that have been lost now because of sin. Do they look back? Oh, now the hurt that we will suffer and the tree's been lost and they look back and they're, they're ushered out of the garden Bible says it's never been seen since. And every funeral that we attend, every grave that we stand by, every goodbye that is spoken is a reminder the tree is gone. The tree was lost in sin. Today, every funeral that we attend by, every casket that stands and is opened up, every grave that we pass by, every goodbye that is spoken, death rules our day and death is our reality. Death after death after death, every child that we bury, every parent that we love so much, every friend that we cherish, they're gone. The tree is gone and now death has entered in and it's death after death after death but Jesus says oh but hold on and I will grant to you to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God listen he says for those who overcome there is no more death oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting hold on there's not going to be any more death I look forward to a day when I'll never write another name in the cover of my Bible, the funeral I've preached. I look forward to a day that we'll never stand with our heads bowed in the reality of death. And Jesus says to them that overcome, they will eat of the tree of life back in paradise. Hold on, hold on, oh, hold on a little longer. Second promise. Second promise, I'm gonna read part of verse 10, chapter two, and then chapter, and verse 11. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Now remember when we pass through this, this message, the, the crown of life here is not talking about a king's crown. It is not talking about a crown of royalty. It is the Greek word Stephanos. It is, it is a finisher's crown. It is the victor's crown. There would be one and they would run the race. And they would run and they would run and they would toil in that race. They would persevere in that race. I'm sure they would suffer in that race, but they would run the race and upon finishing the race, they would have placed on their head the finisher's crown, the victor's crown. 
Jesus says here, just hold on a little longer. Just keep running. Just keep running. You're going to have to toil. There's going to be perseverance, but there's going to be a day when the race is over and he himself will place on your head the finisher's crown, the victor's crown. Oh, just hold on a little longer. Jesus says that is the promise. The victor's crown is placed on your head. Says, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. The second death is referring to hell. The reality of hell, that's the second death. Revelation chapter 20 verse 14 says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says the same thing. It is the lake of fire. It is the second death. It is talking about the reality of hell. The second death is hell. Jesus says here to the overcomers, you can have confidence. To the overcomers, take hope. Hell is not your fate. He says to the overcomers, hell will not be your end. Hold on a little longer, but trust in the truth. Hell is not your fate. Oh, what good news. There's some that teach you can't know until you die. The biggest so-called denomination on earth says you can't know until you die. Listen, Jesus says, you'll not taste of hell. It is settled. Oh, what good news that is. You shall not be hurt by the second death. Third promise. Chapter 2, verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone which no one knows but he who receives it. Now this is where it starts to be like that fireworks show. There's a lot going on here. I'm gonna try my best. I'm gonna do my best. The hidden manna represents the provision of God. In the Old Testament, remember they're in the wilderness and the provision of God he provides manna for them. It is a, a provision from God. Really, it is their salvation that they might not starve to death. And so the provision of salvation, the provision of God. Well, this is talking about the provision of God in Jesus. The hidden manna. I will give to you the, 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 really the blessings of having Jesus. I will give to you the blessings of knowing Jesus. I want to tell you, I, I could stop right there and preach four sermons. All of the blessings that come from having Jesus. Can you imagine the blessings untold that we have in Jesus? Redemption, forgiveness, restoration, eternal life. All of the blessings that come from having Jesus. The provision of God. It says he will give them a white stone. Well, remember the Remember the account when they finished the race, when they came and they came to the finish line and they, they had run the race and they had, they had persevered in the race and they had toiled in the race and when they, when they finished the race and they broke there past the finish line, they would be given a, a stone, a white stone to be a ticket to the awards banquet. You see, they wouldn't put the crown on right then, the finisher's crown. But they would give them this stone and when all the races were done and all the, the, the events had gone by, they would have their white stone and later they would have an award banquet and they would bring the stone and it was their ticket into the award banquet. It says that he'll be given a new name. On that stone, they would write a name so only the person with the stone that matched the name could get in. You see, you couldn't run the race and win the race and get the stone and give it to your favorite friend. You couldn't give it to your brother that you love so much. When you got the stone, it was written on it a name. Well, it says here, you'll be given a new name and it's written on the stone. Now, what that means is this. Listen, Jesus knows you. 
Jesus sees you. Well, nobody sees me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Listen, Jesus knows you. Jesus sees you. And it is a specific ticket to the banquet. And it's not for somebody else. And somebody else didn't earn it. It is your stone. And it's got your name. And Jesus knows you. Oh, hold on a little longer. Hold on a little longer. Jesus knows who you are. Jesus gives you the entrance to the banquet. Jesus puts your name on it. And it's specific to you. That's very awesome. Keep moving. We're on the fourth promise. Chapter 2, verses 26, 27, and 28. Let me read them. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star. Verses 26 and 27 says they will rule with Christ. I believe this is talking about the thousand year reign. They will rule with Christ. Now I want, you, I want you to see what that picture looks like here. I want you to see how profound this promise is here. You see, here are these that were hated. Here are these that were slandered. Here were these that were given the lowest status that they could hold. Oh, the lowest position they could be given. They were called fools, a bunch of fools. They were hated. They were slandered. They were, they were, they were, they were despised by the world. That's these people. Oh, you've been trampled upon. You've been run over. You've been overlooked. You've been cast to the lowest status. But Jesus says, oh, but hold on a little longer. You will rule the world with Jesus. That's the promise, that's the promise. Oh, you're despised now, but hold on a little longer and you'll rule the world with Jesus. Verse 28. Jesus says this, and I will give him the morning star. And I will give him, the overcomer, the morning star. The morning star was a name for the Messiah. Oh, we need a Savior. Oh, we need a promised deliverer. Oh, we need a Christ, the Messiah. The morning star is a name for the Messiah. It's talking about Jesus himself. And so listen, Jesus says this. To he who overcomes, I will give him myself. I don't know if we can understand the hugeness of that. Listen, Jesus says, to the one that overcomes, I will give him myself. In verse 17, we have the blessings of knowing Jesus. Now in verse 28, it is now Jesus himself. We have the blessings of receiving Jesus. Now we have and we've received Jesus himself. Now friends, I I can't rank these. I, I thought about ranking these. It's like the fireworks show. I don't know that I can rank these, but maybe this is the greatest one. Listen to this promise of Jesus. Listen. Friends, there will be a day. There, listen, friends, listen. There is coming a day. There will be a day. What a day it shall be when my Jesus I shall see. There is coming a day when I shall see my Savior. There's coming a day when I shall see the Lord of all the lords, the King of all the kings. There's coming a day when I shall see the perfect lamb of the cross. There's a day when I shall see the victor of the grave. There's a day when my eyes will see my righteousness. Oh, there's my righteousness. There's a day when I will see my hope. I had no hope outside of him. There's a day when I will see Jesus and he will be mine. 
hold on, oh, hold on a little longer. There's a day when I will see Jesus, my Savior. Hold on. And he will be mine. Fifth promise. Moving to chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus says, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. Wow. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Listen to that. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life and I will confess, Jesus says this, his name before my father and before his angels. White garments, the white signified a celebration. There would be some grand event, a wedding event, some grand event, some great event and they would get out their white garments to wear to the grand event. We're going to a, to a tremendous celebration, and so we get out the white garments. More than that, white signifies holiness and purity. And so it says here, those who overcome, they will wear robes in celebration. They will wear robes that symbolize purity and holiness. There will be robes that hang off of their shoulders symbolizing the purity of Jesus Christ. Very simply, they will be adorned in the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Listen, it's talking about those who overcome. They will stand in the royal robe, the righteousness of Jesus himself. That is the promise. Then it says, I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will not erase his name from the book of life. Now stay with me. This is the blessed promise. Jesus says, I came that you would have peace. Jesus says, peace not as the world gives, I give. Listen, let me ask you a question. How is there peace How is there true peace? How is there ever to be any peace if your name could be removed from the book of life? You ever wonder that? You ever see that lived out? I see that all the time. Let me tell you, there's no peace if your name can be blotted out. There's no peace if there's some sin that's so grievous that they would blot out your name. There's no peace in that. How would you ever have true peace? Jesus says, and you hear this promise, listen, it will not be blotted out, his words. It will not be blotted out. You see, this is not a threat that he will. That's how some take this. It's not a threat that he will. It's a promise that he won't. It's not the presentation of the possibility that he will. Oh, there's a possibility. It's not the presentation of a possibility that he will. It is declaring the surety that on the word of Jesus Christ, my Savior won't. And that is the promise of Jesus. Listen to me. For the overcomer, your name is secure. It will not, it will not be blotted out. The eternal ink is forever dry and you are safe in Jesus Christ. It will not be blotted out. Oh, what a promise. Hold on a little longer. How many people are going through life wondering if, if I'm measuring up? But if my faith hasn't become so weak, how many people are going through life going, oh, I wonder if if it's some weak moment, my name can be blotted out. Jesus says, it will not be blotted out. Then he says this. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now see this, it's very interesting. This is the fulfillment of Jesus' promise 
in Matthew 10, 32. Do you know Jesus already promised this? This is the fulfillment. Jesus says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to confess his name before my Father and in the, in the witness of these angels. It is the fulfillment of Matthew 10, 32. Matthew 10, 32 says this, listen. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Do you see the tie in here? Just hold on to the truth. Just keep preaching the truth. Just keep a hold of that truth. He says, if you've confessed my name before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. See this today. The call is to stand. The call is to, to not shrink back, but to uphold the name of Jesus. The world looks better, and yet we have to uphold the name of Jesus. It's so hard, it's so hard, and yet we uphold the name of Jesus. It's too costly, it's too costly, and yet we uphold the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, yet there will be a day when he shall say of the overcomers in the presence and to his father and in the witness of these angels, this is their name they have overcome. Oh, what a, what a blessing that is. What a, what a promise that is. Hold on a little longer. He will confess your name to the father in the witness of the angels. Didn't take long and I decided I want to be one of these overcomers. Didn't, really didn't take long, did it? But can you imagine a, a messed up sinner like me and Jesus, the King of glory, says, Father, let me introduce Toby in the presence of the angels. Can you imagine that? I, I want to be one of these overcomers. Hold on a little, hold, a little longer. Oh, hold on a little longer. Sixth promise, chapter 3, verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. Woo. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. I'm going to read that again. That's, that's like the fireworks show. There's too much there to look at. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Starts off and says, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. The temple signified the dwelling place of God. The overcomers, it says, those who overcome will be an immovable pillar forever in the presence in the dwelling place of God. That's what that means. The temple was the dwelling place of God. It says, those that overcome, you will become this pillar. You will become this immovable pillar forever in the presence, in the dwelling place of my God. Now, it's more than that. A pillar represented honor. And, and they would decorate those pillars and they would carve and ornate things in those pillars. And so what it is saying here, and see how awesome is this is, those who overcome, they will be honored forever in a place, in the dwelling place of God. They will be honored forever having a permanent place there in the presence of a holy God. When we've been there 10,000 years, there'll be a permanent pillar and it'll be the overcomer forever in the presence of God. And it says, and they will not go out from it any longer, forever in the presence of God. And I, Jesus, will write on him the name of my God. This shows the relationship. It shows ownership. See, see the picture here. Jesus says, I will write on them the name of my God. It shows that they belong to God. 
That is showing these overcomers, they are the, the possession of God, God's own possession. He possesses them. His name is written on them and Jesus writes it. Those who overcome and become the possession of God, he will possess them for all eternity. And it says, and the name of the city of my God the new Jerusalem. I don't know if you remember our study in heaven, how awesome the new Jerusalem is. The, the new Jerusalem, heaven, which comes down out of heaven from my God. The city of God. Streets of gold. Gates of a single pearl that came at great cost. A city that's free of sin, no sin there, no, no jealousy there, no anger there, no sickness in that city, no death shall ever go through its gate. A city where the lamb is the light, where the light shines and it's the lamb of God. A city where no illness will ever be found. A city where the overcomer shall live. And he says, I will write on you the name of the new city. Listen, this signifies citizenship. It means that the, the overcomers, this world's not their home. Understand that today. It means that the overcomers, this world's not their home. It means that they are citizens of glory. They're, they're citizens of heaven. And that great city that's coming down in the glory of God, into the glory of God, the name of that city will be written on the overcomer and they will have a permanent citizenship in that city. Forever home. I read that and that's what came to my mind. Forever home, we're home, we're home, we're home. The city's written on me. I'm a permanent citizen, never more to roam. We're home, we're home. And then it says this, in my new name, the name of God, you're the possession of God. The name of the city, you're a citizen there. In my new name, name. Revelation chapter 19 says when he comes, he comes with a fire in his eyes. He comes with a sword in his mouth. He comes with a, with a robe and on his thigh says king of kings and lord of lords. It says in, in Revelation chapter 19 when he comes, written on him is a name that no one knows. The overcomers on this day will know Jesus' new name. Now what that means is this. We will know all of Christ. We will have the full revelation of Jesus Christ. Now I want to tell you, we have the revelation of Christ in his word. On that day, we will know everything of Jesus Christ. Nothing will be hidden. Nothing will be marred in our sin. Nothing will be blocked in our dumb, in our dumb worldly humanity. Nothing will be held back and we will behold the fullness of Jesus Christ. Even the name that no one knows, on that day we'll know the fullness of Jesus Christ. You'll know all of Jesus. Oh, hold on a little longer. Hold on. You're going to have the full revelation of Jesus. Seventh promise. Chapter 3, verse 21. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Let me read that again, Jesus speaking. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, I said this before, I can't rank these. It would be like that fireworks show, I can't rank these, but maybe this is the greatest. Maybe this is the greatest. Two things here, and I think it's very telling that this is the last promise. Two things that we see here, and I believe this may be the greatest. The first is this, to sit on his throne is to share in his reign. Now, I want you to follow with me right here. To sit on his throne is to share 
in his reign. The Bible says that, 2 Timothy chapter 2, that we will reign with him. Now, I want you to understand this. We are not the king. He is the king. It's on his throne. Understand that. We are not the king, but we share in the king's reign. We participate in the king's reign. Now, that's what that means. On that day, we shall participate in the king's reign. Now, listen to this promise of Jesus. To these people with the call to hang on, with these people with the call to to just hang on, the promise of Jesus is this. Though you suffer now, though you sacrifice now, though you can't understand now, though you are abandoned now, though you are slandered now, though you are weary and tired now, if you share in his sufferings on earth, you will stand in his victory in heaven. That is the promise of Jesus Christ. Listen, though you suffer now, though you're tired now, though you're confused now, listen, if you share in the sufferings of Jesus now, there will be a day when you you share in the victories of Jesus in heaven. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Second part of that is this, and I think it's even better than that. We share in his reign. Listen. We share in his rest. You see, the truth of, of the matter is this. Jesus has ascended. The Bible says he's ascended now to heaven with the work of redemption forever finished, with the work of the cross forever behind him. I want you to understand how huge that is. He's not going to a cross ever again with the work of the cross forever and finally finished with the cross behind him, with our salvation secured and finished. The Bible says what? He sat down. It is finished. I want you to listen to this promise of Jesus, the last promise of Jesus to these churches. There will be a day, listen, one day for us when the struggle will finally be over. There'll be a day for us when it is finally finished. There'll be a day when we no longer labor in the master's fields. There'll be a day when we take that seed bag and we unshoulder it and we hand it back to the master. There'll be a day when it's over, when it's over, when it's over and we are finished and we sit down and share in his rest. Listen, just hold on, hold on, hold on. We'll share in the master's rest. One question then. Who are those who overcome? That's really the main thing. I want to be one of those folks. Oh, if I can get up enough willpower, I'd like to be one of those folks. Oh, listen to the blessed promises of the overcomer. How, how do I be an overcomer? Who, who are those? So then, tell me, Lord, who are those who overcome? I want to be an overcomer. Lord, who are those who overcome? Is it those with a great resolve? Those with a strong resolve? Let me have it then. Is it those with, with some great willpower? They didn't back down. They have some tremendous willpower. Is it, is it those that have a great gifting? Oh, they were built for great things and they have a great gifting. Is it those that somehow are necessary for the kingdom, that have value in the kingdom? Oh, Lord, who are those who overcome? Who are those who overcome? 1 John 5, 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Listen to me very carefully. See this. We overcome not in our work, not in any of it. We overcome not in our work, but in his finished work of Calvary. We overcome not in our might, not in anything we would weld up. We overcome not in our might. We overcome in his great grace. We overcome not, not in our strength, not something we, we push into. We overcome not in our strength. We overcome in his resurrection power. And to the sinner who stands weak 
and feeble and ruined in their sin, ruined in their sin to those without any hope. Not one hope do I have to those with no hope, to those who will perish and die without hope. The Savior stands and again with holes in his hands to those without hope. He says, look, look, here is life, no more death. Look, here is health, no sickness ever again. Look, here is salvation, no wrath for sin. Look, here is forgiveness, no guilt, no stain of sin. Look, here is righteousness, not of your own, but my own blood shed over you. Listen, here is restoration, a citizen of the kingdom. It's as if you'd never left. Look, look, here is rest. It is finished. And the Savior stands and says, he who overcomes will overcome by faith in Jesus. Hold on, it's by faith in Jesus. What a savior, what a savior, what a savior. No work of my own with his hands holes. He says, it is finished. What a savior. He who has ear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's personal. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Today, do you stand with a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? I'm not asking if you've attended church. I'm not asking if you've got a reputation somewhere that someone might think you're religious. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Our only hope is faith in Jesus Christ. In him, it is finished. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, we come. And I'm thankful for these blessed promises. And I pray, Lord, that they will be implanted in my brain and in my heart. That these are not just pie in the sky. These are not just hopeful thoughts. These are the, the promises of Jesus. It's not of any work of my own, not any willpower, not anything I have to sustain. It's by faith in Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful that you're mighty. I'm thankful that you're sovereign. I'm thankful that you're pure. But oh, Lord, for me, I'm thankful that you're gracious, that you're merciful unto me. Oh, what a Savior. Lord, I pray for some in this room that do not know you. I pray that today, on this day, they would put their faith in Jesus. Be settled today. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would have been renewed today, encouraged today, strengthened today. Hold on a little longer. Jesus is coming. Lord, I love you. And I praise you. I thank you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.